At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool. This episode of the podcast is supported by The Athletic, the best place to watch and listen to about football. Does that make sense? A lot of podcasts online. You can get a seven-day free trial to check it out and see if you like it, um, and uh, 50% off an annual subscription, which works out to be about 8p a day, £2.50 per month, um, for some of the best writing about football online. Really is worth it. Um, that is www.theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and today I'm joined by Seb Stafford-Blaw. Hello Seb. Hello Joe. How are you? I'm very well. Good. Thank okay. you very much. Today's episode is a sensible transfers episode all about Manchester United. Now if you are following TIFO across all channels you might be sort of feel a bit nauseous to know that it's quite a Man United heavy week. <laughs> this yeah. was unintentional. Uh, we have a sensible transfers Manchester United video coming out. This is partly because Alex couldn't make the podcast today. So instead we made a video which has his choices in it. Go and watch that if you want to hear from Alex. Uh, also with the Bruno Fernandes deal, which I'm sure we can talk more about, happening stroke not happening, um, we've also made a video about how Bruno Fernandes might fit in to uh, the Manchester United team were he to actually make a move. So you'll be able to see those on the channel this week, and obviously there's the podcast as well. Uh, Seb has located three areas. One of those areas is a whole area. It is. so All um, of the midfield. Well, let's go through them first. A little bit of an asterisk, though. If we don't include a certain area, that's not us saying that area is absolutely fine and doesn't no. need any attention. Because I think <laughs> Joe and I had a, had a, had a conversation uh, on, I think, Thursday or Friday where we just said, right, well, you could probably just change everything. Everyone. Everyone. <clears throat> yeah. um, we also, um, when you do this kind of thing with Man United, it's kind of tempting, I suppose, to to go down the 13-year-old on championship manager route and just, right, I've got a billion pounds and I'm going to sign everyone. Yeah. But we very deliberately um, try to avoid that. So I've, I've kind of created my own artificial restraints. It's also clear that um, Edward Wood isn't going to do that. Probably not. Probably not. We also, uh, what one thing we haven't acknowledged is uh, a little bit of an elephant in the room, which is that we don't really know who's making transfer decisions at Man United. And there probably should be a director of football in situ, which there is not. Yeah, there were a lot of references over the weekend to this being brought up uh, yeah. or announced by the club 18 months ago. Still no action there. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like every time it becomes a mainstay of the headlines for a few days, the club uh, maybe briefs some journalists saying, oh, it's, it's happening soon. It's going to happen soon. And then it goes quiet again. Well, there's been a, like an interesting development there. So um, people who uh, are based outside of the UK won't know who this is probably, but... The former Daily Mail journalist, Neil Ashton, um, has just recused himself from a Sunday morning panel show called Sunday Supplement on the basis that he's now gone to work for Manchester United. Um, I think presumably he is uh, leaving his column at the Mirror behind as well. He's in PR, right? I mean, that's his Yeah, so it's a little bit... um, 
It's a little bit nebulous. In fact, I think Neil Ashton's at, uh, at the Sun now. Right. Or was. Either way, he's not there anymore. Uh-huh. Um, so he he's going to take up some kind of PR role, uh, which people only really heard snippets about. I don't know Neil Ashton. I've not met him. Um, but he is seemingly going to be some kind of new conduit between the club and the journalists, which seems like the easiest step instead of trying to PR bad, uh, you know, badly run organization would just be to get your organization to run better. Right. In my opinion, yeah. in my opinion, but, uh, maybe they feel they have a uh, difficulty explaining some of the bad decisions they make. Maybe, maybe, but I, I feel like the answer to that isn't to appoint a journalist. I mean, it, no, it's it, odd. It's helpful, but it's strange to find such a high profile journalist. It would be odd. For instance, if, um, we woke up this morning to the news that Henry Winter had gone t- to work with Manchester City. <laughs> I would find that quite strange. I would think um, I am a great admirer of Henry Winter's abilities, of course, yeah. but why does the club need those abilities? No, I agree. Um, well, listen, so I don't want to early Henry on... Henry Winter is not going to work for Manchester City, by the way. Absolutely not. Although it was Henry Winter who broke the news uh, about Rashford's double stress but back fracture, whatever that is. We'll come on to that. Yeah. Um, I just want to make it clear at the beginning, this is not going to be an episode of the podcast where we shit all over Manchester United because there are some things that they are doing. In parts, it definitely (laughs) will be in parts. But I also want to, I want to... Let's be productive. Yeah, well, I want to take a sensible look at it as well. And and, and part of what, before we get started with with the positions and and the picks, right? Mm -hmm. I want to say, uh, I watched the Liverpool game yesterday. Mm. Uh, I think the result was right. I don't think Manchester United played that badly. I think it was emblematic of what the team is at the moment. And I think there were good performances. We discussed this beforehand by players like Fred, yep. for example. I thought, I thought he was the best player on the pitch. He for, was the best player. For, for the about pitch. 20 minutes, I thought he was the best player on the pitch in yeah. the second half. Yeah. He re- I mean, he recycled the ball so well. He seemed very, very confident. He seemed so much more than uh, the player that we've, we've seen in the past. And we've seen him growing into the role, probably because he's had a long run without any threat of being changed because all of Manchester United's players are injured or, or they don't have any. Um, but also Brandon Williams was very good. And I think, I think there great. are positives, yeah. but the positive, the positives are tainted by one huge negative, which is that the positives exist in a realm uh, which we would not be considering as positives 10 years ago. And that's, you have to accept that, right? Yeah, I, I think that's right. And also one of the things that struck me, Joe, was I, I was watching that game and um, I, I thought pretty much exactly what you've just said, that the second half... Um, as bad as the first half was, I thought the second half was an improvement. And I thought, actually, this is quite encouraging given the injuries they have, given the the, the changes Solskjaer has had to make in his first team. And also, let's not forget, given quite how good Liverpool actually are at the moment, because Liverpool, yeah. they're exceptional. The problem is, is that the, um, the subtext to every Manchester United performance is how much money has been spent to get to this point. Yes. Because if that was, if that was a performance given by, say, for instance, Everton, you'd be like, okay, you know, in fact, that's not a good example, is it? Because they've also spent an absolute fortune. But for a, a civilian club, a club with a normal budget, Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace. That's a, that's a good performance. But then, in fact, Crystal Palace over the weekend was that sort of performance. They gave an excellent performance in Man City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you think, hey, absolutely. And thank God we never released that podcast where we talked <laughs> said all kinds of negative things about Palace. We never told anyone about that. <laughs> Yeah, but then, you know, it, it can exist in their imagination now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what actually did they say what about... What did they say? You know, you know it was what kind very of person would say time. something like, you know, I, I don't think Jordan Iowa scored a single goal all season. Mm-hmm. Obviously a mug. Anyone mm. who says something like that. <laughs> anyway, it was never released, so it never happened. But obviously, what's Manchester United can't be dealing in, in such faint positives is, is I think, our, our broader yes. point. 
Yes. Well, tell me first the positions on the pitch that you've decided to go with. I know you've you've chosen okay. the whole of the midfield. Yes. Yeah, so I, I've tried to rebuild the midfield um, with a little bit of a, a spiel beforehand to justify why I'm doing it. Okay. Um, I've looked at um, the wide right attacking position on the basis that there's going to be some kind of three-man attack, yeah. maybe with two behind one or the other way around. Currently, Daniel James and Wan Matter from time to time are playing that role, right? Yeah, and I also I accept that sort of the use of Marcus Rashford as and when fit and Anthony Martial is a little bit varied at the moment. Um, Solskjaer is sort of shuffling that. So I've tried to find players who could theoretically play in one or more of those roles. Good. Um, so, uh, so we've got that. Uh, midfield um, the midfield is part of a bigger conversation because I, 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 in my opinion it's the root of a lot of Man United's problems mm-hmm. so I've got three new midfielders um, and a couple of sort of gratuitous players who might not fit but who fit with sort of the overarching philosophy with which I under which I, I did this yep. um, and then centre half I've only, I've only come up with one centre back because I, I think um, Harry Maguire is obviously a long term um yeah, I think he. I know he hasn't started particularly well, but I think he is still a fundamentally a good player and and uh, and someone you can put in. You can consider a first team player at Man United for probably most of the next decade. Yes, and I think Victor Lindelof has improved. Um, we, we're yet to see the best of Eric Bailly as well. I feel he's, he's suffered an injury. I don't want to. I, I he was like considered to be very very exciting. He prospect, arrived, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. his reputation was excellent, and I I, I feel like <laughs> criticizing Bailly is a little bit unfair because he's been a victim of injury. His body. Has been fragile, um, but much like my body, like your body, mine too. I walked up the escalator at, at Angel Station and my knee started creaking. It was <laughs> that it, is the longest escalator in Europe. You though. know when you, you you start walking along the left hand side and you commit to it, yeah. And everybody watches you and you think, I've I've started, so I've got to also I've got to get to the particularly top. when it's rush hour and there is no option yeah, to yeah. stand on the people right behind you and yeah. like if you if you, you stop have to go. people exhale loudly and become really passive aggressive. Yes, exactly. So you have to commit to it. I mean, I think Eric Bailly would make it up that escalator fine. But well, he has just he recovered. Survive? He was yeah. so he's he's fit and available to play. He was on the bench for Liverpool, exactly. wasn't he? So we didn't see him, but um, we will do soon, presumably. Uh-huh. And um, and Lindelof and Maguire have developed a reasonable I, partnership as well. Absolutely, I, I think Lindelof Lindelof was a bit, a bit of a figure of fun for a while. Um, but credit to him because he's a young player. He's recovered. He's coped with the criticism, and he's put in a you know a very adequate set of performances this season. Is um, he young? Uh, I think he's twenty four. Is he really? Hang on, let me check that. Let me check that. He looks like such a 28-year-old to me. Someone who's been 28 for like four years or something. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm lying. Hang on. 25. He's 25. He's 25. He was 25 we, in July. Are we allowed to describe him as young? As a defender, he's still on the younger side, isn't he? As a central defender with yeah. what comes along with that. Yeah. If he was a midfielder or a striker, you wouldn't be allowed to call him young anymore. He's young enough so that you could realistically say he might improve a little bit. Sure. Therefore... I'm not, I don't put him in, for instance, the Phil Jones category. Yeah. Where you think, no. No. Just no. Just going to get worse. Yeah. So there's no sort of, there's no skull and crossbones next to his name. Fair enough. Um, as there might be for Phil Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, so shall I, shall I start with my centre half? Let's let's start with centre half. Can And just, yeah, let's, let, I fear that we've just said they've got three great centre halves, or not great, but they've got three adequate centre halves. Is it the most uh, prominent position to, to replace? Probably not. Nope. Uh, but of your three, why did you pick it over the wing backs, over the strikers? Because I want, as 
temporary director of football at Manchester United. Yeah. I want my side to have the ability to rotate into a back three. Okay. Um, and whilst we just said that they have three decent centre halves, you need to have four, really. Because um, Luke Shaw, whilst he was okay, I thought he did well, but he's he's he, not a centre back. You also you can't rely on Luke Shaw. It, it, what, what is funny though is that he played his probably his best game of the season in not his position. Yeah, <laughs> which I feel is, like that had something. To, that's a mental uh, description of where Luke Shaw is at the moment. Maybe that is. That, well, we could probably talk about that. Very, you yeah. carry on. Okay, so uh, the player I've gone for is on the basis that I'm not looking to spend a fortune here. Gone for uh, Freiburg's Robin Cock. Um, he's actually quite similar to uh, in stature to someone like Harry Maguire. Like I think he's six three, six four. Uh, more importantly, though, um, good with the ball at his feet. So this will make a little bit more sense when we get to my midfield picks because I, I think one of the issues in Man United is they don't quite have enough technique running through the middle of the pitch. Like a lot of their football seems to rely on counter attacking phases, which um, work well sometimes. Um, but I feel like if you're ever to become a front foot side, a side that can actually construct moves when an opponent is sitting behind the ball, you have to be able to do a couple of things. You have to be able to work the ball out of, out of defence um, and skip through an opponent's press, not just shovel it out to a fullback or bang it long. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to actually penetrate that first layer of of, of, of an opponent's um Can I jump in and say here as well that I think teams have worked out uh, all they have to do is press Harry Maguire a bit Yep. And that means he can't play the ball over the top of the midfield, which can't transition it itself. Exactly. So if you have that. an additional centre back option who can make long passes, yeah, that that helps. Absolutely, absolutely. That I mean, I this is kind of informed by what I watched um, Tottenham do with Toby Alderweireld and Yamatongan during their prime, not now, but a couple of years ago. Is the great advantage of having both of them was. Um, one was right-footed, one was left-footed, but they were both excellent with the ball at their feet. Like Alderweire has a probably the best long-range passing um, in in his position in the league, I'd say. Um, and Vertonghen's a really good medium-range passer, so they had the ability um, when when a, a centre forward pressed them, or m- you know several uh, opposition players pressed them to kind of to move the ball to one to one side or the other, and then to cut the ball into midfield or long or to a winger, and it makes such a difference. You know, just in the, in the it makes the forwards afraid to press you as well. Absolutely, it changes the entire tone of a game. Um, and so, Robin Cock is not going to. I, I, I think I, I looked him up on, on Transfer Marked, and he was sort of a fifteen million pound. Uh, so for player. Manchester United, then sixty-five million is probably, that how it works? Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about that with Bruno Fernandez <laughs> yeah. a little bit later as okay, well. That's okay. worth the conversation, and probably with Harry Maguire as well, because that's Harry another Maguire. interesting anecdote. Um, the eighty so, million pound man versus the seventy million yeah, pound man. We could have done it six weeks earlier. Um, <laughs> Robin Gold's twenty-three, so he's at a very pliable age. Um, Freiburg not having the very best season, um, but at the same time, I still like his profile as a player. Um, as we we should have the disclaimer that. Um, the sort of the this analytics element of this podcast is done by Alex. I very deliberately haven't tried to clash with his approach to things. So if you want to see a kind of a, a more statistics based pick, I suggest having a look at his video. He focuses on progressive midfielders and a new left back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's my one pick there. I don't think it's a priority. It's just a an additional squad player because I think it's a. Um, I think if you had any other injuries, so for instance, if you wanted to play a back three that makes you reliant on Eric Bailly's fitness, not a position I really want to be in. Um, I think you need to have that supplementary player, someone who isn't, who doesn't come in with a big reputation, a big budget. So that rules out all kinds of other alternatives. You need someone that most people haven't heard of um, who can come in and quietly 
sort of assimilate into the formation if you need him to. Uh-huh. Potentially, he could even grow to to um, supplant Vitor Lindelof in a, in, a, in a two-man back four, but a useful addition. I like it. I agree. You need four, don't you? Yeah. And it's also, it, the, the profile aspect of this is important. You cannot go out and spend another £50 million on a player um, like that because he is he's a squad player. He's a... Um, he's a backup, someone who can just adjust gently to English football. I think Let, so. Let's like have that. it now then. It feels like we need to have that conversation now yeah. about Bruno Fernandes, not yeah. specifically about he'll fit in, how he would fit in the team or anything. Can I start by saying, I mean, the, the issue is, is there's been some conflicting reporting on it. Uh, a lot of reports last week were suggesting that it was already done and that both clubs were satisfied with uh, their evaluations of the player. Some uh, conflicting reporting, particularly from the Telegraph, I think, which I would trust, says that the clubs are actually quite a distance away in yeah. their reflections. That's that's the kind of my latest I'm saying too. Like I, the, the ones I've read, I, all the all the sources I trust. So mm-hmm. um, the BBC carried that report. Um, uh, Laurie. Is it Laurie Whitwell at the Athletic? Yeah, yeah. I think he uh, he confirmed the same over the weekend. So um, unless something changes between now and when, when this point was released, yeah. it seems as and they're saying distance. they're about twenty twenty five million euros apart <laughs> in their valuation. The reason that um, Manchester United are frustrated about this, according to the reports, is because the player was available in the summer for yeah. transfer to Tottenham for the price they are now offering. Yeah, and the fact that he's gone up twenty five million euros over six months. Is is a slightly odd thing. Presumably, it is predicated basically solely on the fact that it is now Man United. It's a Man United uh, tax. It's a Man United tax, yeah. right? And so, I do actually have some sympathy for Ed Woodward. I, I never thought I would say that, but I do have sympathy for him because this is not in the way I can understand it. This is not just about this one signing, despite oh. the fact that it is vital at this point of the season depending on what your goals are right yeah. if you if you have any aim to to finish in the top four they have to sign midfielders that, that's just completely a given agree. Right? completely agree yeah. but this also continues a precedent which has been worryingly set and increased over the last few five years and I think if Ed Woodward or Manchester United ever want to be taken seriously in the transfer window they can't just cough it up always. And if that means not signing Bruno Fernandes because a club are trying to extort them an additional, what, what like almost 50% of, of his value, like yeah. a 50% Man United tax, that's insane. It would make me want to walk away. It really would. And given that there is no proof really that the player is going to be or that, that he's made out to be, it's so much money to spend on someone. It not only, as I said, perpetuates that Manchester United tax, which is just going to happen the next time the club are in this situation. It also uh, puts a lot of pressure on the player. It puts a lot of pressure on the club. And it also and it can will continue to the downward kind of Dante's Inferno spiral of Manchester United's um, uh, recruitment of players is terrible. Yeah. Why? Because they spend so much money and they get nothing. Well, maybe that's something to do Creates with the tax. Creates a negative perception right from the start. So perhaps the best thing to do is actually not to buy Bruno Fernandes and suck it up for six months, not finish in the top four. I don't know. A finance expert would tell you that is definitely not the right thing to do. I feel like there's a bit of a chicken and egg situation here in that um, I agree with everything you said. Like, I, I don't think Manchester United should just be coughing up. I feel like this is a legacy of all the business they've done in the past, though. And it's kind of a, not just of, not just with what they've paid for which players, but also the way Manchester United carry themselves um, socially. So unfortunately, the club have got into this habit of of being quite loud about their commercial power. And Richard Arnold, one of their directors, um, 
sort of is a little bit of a comedy figure with the press because he's always saying very clumsy things, talking about Manchester United being the world's greatest soap opera. And um, and there are, there are also quite a few unhelpful quotes knocking about from Woodward where he's sort of saying, well, you know, um, first team performance doesn't really impact commercial performance. And he's like... Which given oh, that uh, Liverpool think are that about if you to like, overtake yeah, clearly is not true. I don't clearly think that makes you look very smart. No. Um, so Man United, um, they've been a little bit brash. And I feel like, um, I don't, I, I agree with you completely. I don't, I don't think that justifies paying a tax on your, on, on players who I'm not quite sure what the basis is no. for Bruno Fernandes is worth. Like I, I think he's a good player, but I, I don't, I don't have enough context um, around him to really think, yeah. So if you pay a uh, sixty million pounds or euros for a, for a player from Juventus, for instance, or uh, or maybe even Paris Saint Germain, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, those kind of clubs, Bayern Munich, then you have the context of knowing what it is for a player to, yeah. to operate within a squad at a at an apex predator club. All we have is it's the ELO rankings, which actually yeah. in Alex's video about Bruno Fernandes due to be released tomorrow, I think Wednesday yeah. of this week, um, the uh, he he finds a, a comparison between Sporting. I think they have the same ELO ranking as a club like Southampton, mid mm -hmm. mid to lower half of the Premier League. Okay. So the best way of I suppose, or the, the way I'm trying to imagine it in my head, it's a bit like buying. Uh, a player like Jack Grealish, for example, without the addition of him being homegrown yeah. and without the sort of, I suppose, part of the, the hype around him from here, but a, a but an outstanding standout player in a lower half Premier League club, how much does that cost you? Maybe it does cost uh, 60 million euros, but if it didn't in the summer, I think that's the thing they're, they're, they are. Yeah, well, I agree. Also, how, do, how does this player adapt to to being a Manchester United player? And also, one of the, one of the hidden costs of this Man United tax is what does it do to the footballer? You know, because um, Bruno Fernandes might be sitting at home, you know, somewhere in Lisbon thinking, I, I don't think I'm worth that. And so what he arrives in, and he is a good player, by the way. I mean, um, you know, in fact, people listening, go and have a look at his goals. That's a good, pretty good idea of what he is for once. Um, but he, he's thinking, right, so I'm coming into a situation where I go into a dysfunctional side, which has all sorts of issues, which we discussed before. I've got a 60 million pound valuation on my head. Uh, I'm playing in a country where I have no experience of the football. I, the team is no longer going to be built around me. Right. Also, uh, I, I, I would say for any creative type, I've got a big issue with what Man United are as an, as from an attacking sense. Like you're talking about a team that, that operate almost solely on the counter-attack at the moment. Anything saying to someone, right, go and give us 60 million pounds worth of value yeah. right away because incidentally if you're talking about him as his goals as well yep. then going to a league where he is inevitably going to have less time and space to shoot yep. he's going to score less goals it's like the plays off the back foot like if, you, if you're playing for Manchester City it's good to be Kevin De Bruyne if you're playing in a team that's not quite as strong and doesn't enjoy that much possession or that much quality of possession it's different and, and so I, I think it's kind of a vicious cycle really um, I I don't think I would do it. I don't think I would pay sixty million pounds for. I was actually I remember thinking I was quite glad Tottenham didn't pay less money for him in the summer because that deal was predicated on Christian Eriksen leaving first. And you think, eh, for that kind of money, you know, you can you can look at a more complete type. And on Dembele, who I know is injured at the moment, but is still hopefully going to be a very good player over the years to come. Mm. Okay, well that was a sort of sejourn. 
sure I think it, I think we needed to have that conversation because this is going to come up again. I How much so. do you have to pay for a player? Uh, we've had uh, Robin Cock, your first central defender. Who, who's who's your second central defender? No, I didn't have a second. Oh, one you didn't have a, second a supplementary one. position. No, oh, I'm not reshaping the department. I'm no, just, good. I just okay. wanted to add him in because I liked him. Okay, Robin Cock. Freiburg, um, he's 23. So I've got a bit of an overarching philosophy with all my picks. Um, we had a little bit of a guess at what we think Manchester United's model is for recruitment. So <laughs> there is one, but I've kind of, I, I, I've firmed it up a little bit. So okay. I'm looking at players who are no older than 23. Yes. Um, I want footballers who haven't achieved, who aren't former Champions League winners. Because I think that's been one of the errors in which United have fallen down in the past. Also, Solskjaer clearly wants them to grow into something together, right? Exactly. That's, that's his whole obsession. Which is my next pick. So I've got few egos. Um, that's very, very important to me. Um, because I don't think Manchester United are built to sustain superstar players at the moment. Just because, um, for instance, the Paul Pogba problem is not necessarily to do with Paul Pogba. Mm -hmm. It's Paul Pogba belongs in a certain strata of the game. Yeah. And Manchester United currently aren't there. And so you have this disconnect between... Yeah what the player thinks he can achieve and what he actually does. And they've got to, they've got to drop that history shit. I mean, I Liverpool agree. didn't do that for years and years. And if you want to learn from an example, learn from what Klopp did at Liverpool, right? Absolutely. The whole, the, give, giving Oli uh, loads of shit for saying that Manchester City treated us with respect by playing their first team. You are not European Cup winning Manchester United anymore. No. Forget it. And just start you have fresh. To move on. You are the underdogs now. You have Play to move like on. the underdogs. I feel like the sort of admitting that is it's like a it's like a, a an addict in recovery. I think stage one is kind of accepting some things. Like yeah. and, and just and moving on from a, a point of not quite ground zero, but a a a a sort of a rock bottom of sorts. Um I feel like maybe they've hit that already and they're bouncing up a little bit. I feel, I feel like the summer's transfer policy reflected that a bit. It did. And that's another thing we should say. Is actually the last three players they bought: Wambasaka, Maguire, and Daniel James. Uh, Daniel James have all been, as, like as Alex says in this video, have all been pretty much successes as far as this season, this season goes. They can play better or worse, but that's relative you know, to what came before. Absolutely, and also it's, it seems to be a more clear direction. Yeah, there seems, uh, uh, Solskjaer seems to have more control, or at least it, his purchases are more reflective of him than yeah. they have been in, under previous coaches, with the exception of Mourinho, Matic sort of, sort of stuff. So I feel like we're trying to mirror that. Um, and as you alluded to, I want to buy similar aged players because I like the idea of having units within teams who mature together. I think that's really, really, really important. Yeah. Um, I don't just want to find a guy from over here who's 28, someone who's 27, and just bang them into these slots. Um, I don't think that quite works because also, like you've just said, I think Man United are in a phase of rebuilding, which is not going to be corrected over one year, even two. It's a five-year project, in mm -hmm. my opinion. So midfield, midfield is interesting. Um, I've got, um, yeah, well, I'll just go through them. So um, my problem with the midfield is it doesn't have an identity. It doesn't have a, a profile. What you see from United generally in games, I mean, against Liverpool, which is excusable, but generally in that caliber of game, the midfield doesn't exert anything on the, the match. It doesn't have a job. It doesn't have a job. It kind of collapses behind the ball or supports the play. It is not something that you don't think... When was the last time anyone had an opinion, like a solid opinion on how a Man United midfield performed? Uh-huh. It's just a group of players. And... Individuals so, occasionally. Fred against Liverpool, McTominay's been good this season, but you would think that both of those players would be excellent substitution options, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In a in a healthy environment, they should be. Um, so my first choice is um, Brissy mentioned Gladbach's Dennis Zakaria. 
23, as most of these guys are going to be, um, a home and a four-two-three-one. He's rather, um, he's rather lazily compared to Patrick Vieira, um, which let's not beat around the bush. We know exactly why that is because he's, he's quite tall and he's black, okay. and that's what happens to players of that profile who play midfield. And yeah. that's, um, I find that quite insulting actually because it, it, it ignores so much of what he's good at. For instance. Um, dislikable man though he is uh, Lothar Mateus actually compared him to Tony Cruz which I can kind of understand I don't completely agree with but that illustrates his passing ability okay so what you've got in Zakaria is um, the size six foot one two three something along those lines he's, uh-huh. he's, a, he's a big guy um, but someone who, who's loaded with technique too um, he's a little bit um, inexperienced as you expect from a 23 year old I probably cost somewhere in the region of sort of 40 50 million pounds um, something of like that but worth the investment because you, you look at him and you think you do so many things well. So for instance, at the moment, Man United are in this situation where like every every pick they have in the midfield. So if you think, right, well, we're going to start Nemanja Matic. And that's because you want one thing to happen. You want a little bit of a ball winner. With someone like Zakara, you put him at the base of your midfield and you, you have you have the, the security he offers, but you also have a route out of your own half because he's that good with the ball at his feet. It's mm-hmm. really important. Also, like, he brings other things. He's, he's good in the air, so that's always nice for defending set pieces, attacking set pieces. But Which United, I think, are worst at in the league. Which United right? are really not very good at, which is strange. I saw the stats in, in, against the Liverpool game. I think they joint were... Joint worst in the league. Joint with as of, as of Virgil van Dijk's goal yesterday. Yeah. Or my, on Sunday, sorry. Yeah, that's bad. Um, so <clears throat> that's a problem. Um but I, I couldn't think of, within reason, of a better place to start than, than him. In fact, if I only had £50 million as a Man United and I got to sign one player, probably him. Right. Just because I think... And he fits in a, in, in a double pivot. He does indeed. Who, who's the player he plays alongside at Borussia Dortmund? Do you remember? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting to see. Also, Gladbach, um, I, I'm a little bit sceptical of... Um, any team that performs well in any of these major leagues. So Gladbach, I think, are, I want to say they're currently second. Um, they were check. first for a while, weren't they? They were first, but they've been overtaken by Leipzig. Um, hang on. Uh, yeah, actually, I think we looked at this last week. And I sorry, think they've dropped to, third after, dropped to third after Bayern Munich won yesterday. So my problem would be that teams like that tend to get picked apart at season's end. Um, like you're already hearing, for instance, with, with Leipzig, uh, you know, Timo Werner might move to Chelsea in this current transfer window, maybe in the summer, you know, so that's a, that's a habit of those leagues. So you don't really want to just, you can't, you can't sit in this situation and wait how to see how he develops because his next move is going to be to a, a cham- <clears throat> sorry, a Champions League contender. <laughs> <clears throat> He, play, sorry, he, plays to to, later. he plays next to Christoph Kramer, by the way, who is described as a defensive midfielder. knocked out in the 2014 World Cup final. Right, there you go. See, I always thought Christoph Kramer would be a, a centre-half. Maybe, well, I guess he's graduated up, up north yeah. slightly. Um, but that's, that's interesting because Man United only seem to have players who don't really progress the ball forwards a great deal. So yeah. maybe Zakaria would be at home next to a McTominay or next to a Fred. I also feel, Joe, that like the age of the, the, the strictly holding midfielder that doesn't do anything other than that is just a screen. I think that's over. Yeah. Like you see players like Luka Modric playing deep, Tony Cruz playing deep, even Sergio Busquets, like he, as far back as his, his start in the Barcelona side. Yeah, good defensive player, but... Busquets' best attribute always was yeah. his ability to play forward. Well, Fernandinho is a perfect example of now. Fernandinho right? is another great example. 
Ingolo Kante. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all the players that can go forward. You don't have the Makaleli anymore. You don't have a. I mean, Nemanja Matic was quite a mobile player. He's not now. He's very static, and you can't yeah. have that player. It just doesn't. No. You, you, you can't unless you want to be a team that just defends yeah. then you have to be able to you, he, that, that player has to be the starting point of your attack always it, it's a bit like in uh, the NBA how uh, every team now has to have a centre which is the tallest player who okay. normally is the player who stands under the under the hoop and, and has the ball passed and just places it in yeah. now they have to they have to be able to play basketball as well because okay. all the opposition teams have that player and if you don't then you're, it's basically like having half a man down. So you can't just have the eight foot tall guy that catches it and puts it in the basket. No, the eight foot tall guy has to be able to, he's got to have he skills. Have, he has to have the hand-eye coordination to yeah. go with it. Okay. He's got to have handles. Okay. Yeah. Oh, see, I, I, okay, that, now I understand that. I heard that on, um, yeah. I was watching some NBA over the weekend, actually, on t- oh, well, it was NBA programming on, on Sky. And I heard that and I didn't. There's a lot of weird stuff. There's one no, I still, I don't know. phrases that I English, didn't. when you put a little bit of English on it. What does that mean? Uh, I th- I don't know. I think it's when you spin it a bit. I can't, I don't, can't remember. Tell you what, between now and next week's podcast, we'll find out. We'll find out what putting a little bit of English on it means. And we'll start dropping these MBA-isms into our... I'm just thinking of mustard. <laughs> oh, I love mustard. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, food, Dennis Sicaria. I like Dennis Sicaria. I really do. Um, uh, who's next? So I went for a more obvious option. Um, so primarily because you hear Man United... Um, connected with a couple of players at the moment. Uh, one is Jack Grealish, the other is James Madison. I think both of those are wrong. I think if you're going to go to Leicester, you go to Wilfred Ndidi. I think um, Leicester have, have suffered uh, from fatigue lately, and so that's that's affected the performance. It's not a coincidence, however, that they have fallen through the floor at the same time that Ndidi has had to sit out for a couple of games. Mm-hmm. He's outstanding. like Quite a similar profile to Zakari, actually. like Skillful, good on the ball, 23. Um, but an asset going forward as well. Um, I think there'd be a little bit of a premium there because anytime you buy from within the Premier League and also from a club that don't need to sell, which Leicester would not, mm-hmm. you've got hefty fees as a car is probably your more economic um, option. Uh, but indeed, every every time I see him in in in, in the stadium, I, th- I think he's just excellent, Great. really, really good. Okay, I mean because the difference between someone like Madison, nice to watch, you know, fun, does good things, you know, shoots a lot plays sort of artistic balls across the field mm. you know and he's a good player but he's not an outstanding one and he never will be like if you're Man United you're looking at a level of player if you want a, a player of Madison's profile you're kind of hoping that he grows into Kevin De Bruyne yeah Madison's never going to be Kevin De Bruyne he's yeah. not even close to being that yeah. he's a he's a good standard English player who will have probably 20-30 cats to the national team by the end of his career um, indeed he different position of course but completely different kettle of fish like as a caliber plays absolutely outstanding right um so yeah oh, Scott, i hadn't heard that take before interesting what madison no uh the uh ndd over madison as oh, an definitely option. definitely yeah. like uh, madison madison doesn't really allow you to do anything new like he's he's nice people would like him he's a fun guy he's got a bit of charisma about him and he does fun things with the ball at his feet mm. terrific but does he make you really a much much better team and now I, I not unless you've i mean what Leicester are hinges on Ndidi far more than it does Madison, in my right. opinion. Okay, so these these are both players who would feature in the in the double pivot. Do we have more in this? Uh, in yeah, this area? so I've got someone that goes alongside them, um, who's a different profile. Um, again, would play as the you know within the, the double pivot. It's um, uh, I hope I say this right. Tian Kupminers. Um, he plays for RZ Alkmaar right. in um, in the Eredivisie. Alkmaar um, have a bit of a slump, but they 
they've had an excellent season so far. Um, I think they lost at the weekend, but they're, they're, a, they're a really, really talented team. I've got another player that's coming up from them as well. Um, Cube Miners, uh, don't be fooled by his goal statistics. He's a penalty taker and right. a free kick taker. So that, that makes him seem like a slightly different player than he really is. Useful assets <clears throat> though. Useful asset. Again, he's a big guy, six foot two, and that's not a coincidence. I want players that are tall and sturdy. Mm. Like, I know that physicality isn't everything, um, uh, you know, in, in, in deep midfield, but it's important. I look at Man United and... and if your forwards are going to be sort of short and, and fast... I think you need to compensate elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've tried to do. Uh, Cube Miners, uh, I would say he's two-footed. He's generally described as a left-footed player, but I, he's, he's pretty good off both feet. Um, really good passer of the ball. Um, and again, this is what I'm focusing on. I want access points out of my midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and also players, well, equally important, players who are really good at receiving the ball off centre-halves or full-backs. Because it's fine if you're like... If you're a, a deep line midfielder in 10 yards of space, well, most people can pick a pass. Yeah. What I need is a player that can receive the ball under pressure from a press and then turn out, play a ball up the field. That's really important. And uh, Eri Divizzi is a little bit of, a little bit hit and miss, as we know. The examples prove that in the past. But really good player. Looks like he could be a really, really good player. Okay. Um, and also fits into our age group thing. So I want someone that isn't a finished product. I want someone that buys into, yeah. I want to play for Man United. Also that buys into Solskjaer, right? Buys into Solskjaer. Like the, the young players of Man United, whatever you say about Solskjaer, young players seem to react to him. They play for him. They for like sure. playing for him. Look yeah. at Brandon Williams. We'll talk about him later, but you know, they, they react better to him. So the older players don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not want player. I don't, don't want another Man United player coming through the door who's there because he knows Man United pay really good wages. Mm-hmm. Like if that player wants to come with the, the, the ambition of earning really good wages in the future, terrific. If you're worth it, because United have the ability to do that. You're not coming in just to pick up a check. Yeah. You're coming in to be something, to grow into something together and to restore the club. I want, I want people to buy into that vision. I think it's is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And so could miners, I don't feel like 20, maybe 25 million euros, you know, not a lot. I mean, I feel like um, it's a risk, but I, I think if you watch him, you, you can find um, Eri Divizzi games on, on British TV, actually. If, I'm not sure if you're, you're watching abroad, but next time uh, Alkmaar on TV, um, give them a watch and, and look out for him. How do, what television channel are they on? So they used to be on um, Premier TV. Right, and they sort of seem to fluctuate now. What we, is Premier TV? Uh, you know, they they carry um they they are the ones that carry the new La Liga channel. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Premier yeah, Sports, yeah. sorry, sorry, yeah, I'm with you. So we 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 here we have the benefit of um of Y Scout, so we can yeah download the the full games and and it's it's great. But if you're looking for a TV channel in another country, I'm not sure what. Um, It'll be available. Yeah. So for a long time, um, the Eredivisie was actually on Sky Sports, and then it mm-hmm. changed when they seemed to chop all of their Euro content. Right. Um, but yeah, you can you can pick up the odd game. Okay. Well, speaking of um, uh, paying money for a footballer to join your football <laughs> club, um, Ed Woodward. We're not going to talk about Ed Woodward. We're just going to reference uh, a, a great piece written by Daniel Taylor on The Athletic by Ed Woodward. Uh, not by Ed Woodward, about Ed Woodward, which um, reflected some of the points that we made in the, in the, the last time we talked about him on a podcast a few months ago. Um, what did you make of it? Yeah, great. Uh, as with anything Danny Taylor writes, I think it's excellent. He's one of my favourite writers. Um, not just saying that he was before he moved to the Athletic. I, I think he's he's great. Um, but I just I found myself nodding through it. Mm-hmm. I read on the train up here this morning, and uh, 
yeah. I mean, I, I won't, I won't prejudice people against it. Just, just read it. Um, I think it sort of, it, it points the finger, um, away from Solskjaer, which I think is really important at the moment is say the problems at Man United are not with their manager or even their players or it, the, read the piece I think is is, is the way forward okay. don't, don't just take my word for it the other thing to say is that um, The Athletic have released a bunch of new podcasts this week about nine I think something like that Guinness okay. so we're covering all the Premier League clubs now um, so we're really operating in a saturated market we're we? operating yeah they're, no, they're so really saturated anyway, yeah. <laughs> no. so we just start swearing now we just, no it's good you know. because these are, these are sort of club specific um, and Carl uh, Anker and Laurie Whitwell uh, and guests bring you a weekly show dedicated to Manchester United it's called Talk of the Devils I oh, believe okay. the first episode is going to be released this week or might even be released today Monday okay so uh, it would be, be there for people if they're listening if they're Tuesday. listening now it should already be released okay. um, that's freely available you don't have to be an athletic subscriber to listen to those podcasts so do go and check them out um, and you'll be able to hear good examples and uh, conversations by many of their writers. If you do want to become a subscriber, you can get 50% off and a seven day free trial by visiting theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO. Uh, please do do that. It helps to support our podcast uh, and uh, the TIFO football channel as well. So if you aren't opposed to spending £2.50 a month to read some fantastic football writing and help out your friends over here at TIFO in the meantime, do do that. Thank you very much. Um, okay, more midfielders, please. So I've got two sort of more gratuitous picks um, who don't quite fit the same... Um, I mean, they don't fit in quite as well. I just like them as players. Okay. Um, one is... A player has been connected with Man United before is Bubakar Samare. Bubakari Samare. Uh, he has been. Lille. Yeah, he has yeah, been. Yeah, I, I, I still... Again, um, I, I think I'm almost bringing this up at the fight against the Vieira thing. Like, because he's, yeah, the new Paul Pogba plays nothing like Paul Pogba at all. Like, nothing like him. Like, he's, he's, it's kind of, I heard him described as Pogba without the ego. I was like, can I say, this uh, is, this is not to suggest that there is no... Yaya Torre is one of the most gifted players I've ever seen in the Premier League. But he was a beast. He was air a quotes. battering ram. A battering like, beast like, ram. Honestly, like... Can I say not to forgive the racists because okay. fuck them, yeah, right? But absolutely. when I watched a Jack Grealish over the weekend, I thought, you look like David Beckham. And now I think you are David Beckham. Well, that's kind of okay because it's although the they don't play it's in every the way, hair. they no, carry they themselves in quite... Like young, young Beckham, yeah. there are some straight lines to Grealish. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because it's like he's aware of what he looks like so not being appearancist no I don't think so I don't think so if if you said basically I thought have I gone back to the 90s are you David are you going to marry one of uh, Rich Mix or whatever they're called is it Rich Mix Little Mix (laughs) Rich Mix is an art (laughs) cinema sorry (laughs) oh no so if you know the difference would be if you said if you said I think Jack Grealish should play right wing for England because he's really really good at crossing and free kicks I would say no, you're wrong. You would point in my face like yeah, that. I would do. I Very would do because aggressive. It would be you have lazily transplanted Beckham's yes. attributes onto him because of a physical appearance. Well, that, that's what I'm doing. And your own belief system. That's what I'm doing. Right. So I would say Samari, um, I actually, last time I saw him, he got sent off. Um, so <laughs> I can't remember who Lille were playing. I, I, was gonna, I, I, I landed on, the, on a, um, a French League Cup game in the middle of, in, in midweek couple of about a week ago and um they um i can't remember who they were playing but they had a, a one-man advantage for most of the game and samara managed to get himself sent off for a ridiculous second yellow card <laughs> and even up and and they lost the game one nil so sign that guy 
I can see why people want him. He's a, he's, he's a good player. Uh, reminds me a little bit as a car in a way, like in, in the terms of like his, the way, in terms of how progressive he is with the ball. Like Are you sure that's good. not just because they're both black? I'm pretty sure it's not. Okay, I'm just double black. checking because I don't want you to fall foul of your own well, expectations. I, I think it's okay because they, they, they both fall foul of this prejudice. Yes. So they're in the same category. They're not identical players, but there are some similarities there. Right. Like Zakara is definitely the better one at the moment. Okay. Um, the other one is, is a guy that came up last week, actually, because um, I can't remember why, but in, our, in, our, in the sensible transfers, we did Brescia's Sandro Tonali. Um, oh, he did come up in something. He did. I forget he? why, but yeah. he did. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Most likely, he will go to Juventus. Okay. Um, Don't they have 10 midfielders already? Yeah, but they're all getting quite old. Right. So they have, they do. They've got Ramsey, isn't Rabio there? No, Rabio's, Rabio's there, but no, no, no Rabio's there, but Rabio. Uh, Rabio's a bit of a problem. He's a little bit of a dickhead. Okay. Adrian Rabio. Right. Um, Just a little bit. Yes, he doesn't seem to be fitting in all that well. Good player. Right. Um, but yeah, there are there are some um, a lot of egos there, maybe. Uh, just a lot of aging. Yeah, like I, th- I think there's a problem anytime you you play for a club that have dominated the league for any great length of time. There's a drop off. The old it? lady, the old lady. Although okay. you know, maybe not winning the league this season. Maybe Inter Milan. Mm. We shall see. Um, Tenali, um actually completely different to every other player on this list in the in the sense that um, he's a technical player, purely a technical player. He's not a destroyer. He's a creator. Would he fit in the ten role? Because that really needs replacing. <clears throat> I, Theoretically, at Brescia, he plays deeper. Uh-huh. He plays as the deepest midfielder. Okay. But then I don't know whether that's out of necessity because Brescia are shit. Right. They're just not very good. So maybe that's the, why. I think they're in the relegation zone in Serie A. Um, so you can, my point would be if you look at what Tonali is able to do, you could say, okay, maybe you're not a number 10, but you could be a kind of forward thinking eight. Right. Because I don't really think the number 10 position exists in the way that you used to. No, I don't, although... In the, the Regalme sense, uh, you don't get that. Clearly, they clearly are using that position at Manchester United. And most of the time is, they're playing the 43 um, one of my One of my real frustrations with watching football is when players consistently make the wrong decision. Yeah. And I, I I think he's a very technical player. He, he's technically accomplished, but Andreas Pereira, nah, oh my God, 50% of the time when not it matters, enough. he makes the wrong decision. And it frustrates me to watch it so much. So a really good example yesterday of what you're talking about was um, the chance he created for uh, Anthony Martial. Mm-hmm. That you think, I don't know how many touches Ad, uh, Andreas Pereira had during the game, but most of them were not very productive. There was one point at which he tackle Daniel James on the edge of his own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. It's like a metaphor for what May Knight did. I'm scything across, takes him out, ends the move. Um, but then you, you, you can you can be seduced by someone like Pereira because you see like the feathery touch into Martial's path, which yeah, the YouTube highlights reel is amazing. Yeah, yeah presumably like broken clocks though. Like right. he's there is no way he should be starting that kind of game. I mean, but I mean, when Lingard is fit, it's Lingard who plays there. That's another player who, for he, you know, I think, I think he's as Alex says in in the sensible transfers video, he's intelligent. He and mm-hmm. he does have an ability to find space. He doesn't know what to do with it when he gets there, though. And we're still talking his, about Pereira. I'm talking about Lingard now. Okay. His decision making equally, it, it doesn't seem to have improved with his technical ability and. I, I mean, he's now, you know, the joke about Lingard, we, and I've fallen foul of this before in this podcast, is that he's, always, he's a young player. He's waiting 27, for, 28. 27, 28 years yeah, yeah. old. <laughs> you know, if, the, if, if, if Lingard is your first choice and Andreas Pereira is your second choice in that position, your whether problems. it's called the 10 or not, 
it, it, it has to be replaced. Let's, let's, let's do away with the, the term. Let's just say if you've got a creative burden, yeah. you're putting creative burden on a player like Andres Pereira, you, you got problems. Pogba's gone, right, by the way? I, I don't think he'll play for United again. No, I mean, and also, is that such a bad thing? The, the relationship seems to have soured, right? I, 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 also, he clearly doesn't want to be, here, be no, there. Is that the he, case? he very clearly doesn't want to play for Man United. Right. Um, I don't really blame him for that. And I don't necessarily blame Solskjaer for it either. I just think... It's not, right, it's not the right fit anymore. It was, it was, it was a lunge. It was, give us a superstar and we'll be what we were. And you'd think superstar players have to be encased within an environment where you can control them. And he is hugely talented. He's young, he's wealthy, he's good looking. Like these things, like you need to be able to handle that. You cannot play, put a player like that in the middle of an, what is, I'm afraid, like a really average group of players and not expect some kind of reaction from either the player or his agent. And in fact, Man United got both. Mm. Um, so I don't really, like the British press are vicious with Pogba. I don't, um, I feel pretty uncomfortable with the tone of the coverage, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, well, themes we've already discussed. Um, but I think it's best for everyone if he goes, his career is, uh, he's moving towards his prime. He needs to be in a position to achieve. He needs to be, you know, yeah. And I and, and he also crucially, he no longer fits the role that you in your temporary time as a as director of football set out. Hour and fifteen minutes, yeah. Players, players that, that that are maturing together, that are at the same pace. You know, Pogba is he's so Uncle much Paul. better. He's he's he's, he's the old Paul. guy. Yeah, like he's the kind of he's supposed to be the 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 sort of the talisman and the role model and yeah. And these are not the things he signed up for. No. Like Paul Pogba was was given a, you know, it's worth considering. Paul Pogba was sold something. Yeah. Man United. He was come here because we're going to do this. We we're going to build that. around you. And his reaction and whatever people may think of the way he behaves, it, it Man United are partly responsible for that. Yeah, because they have not held up their side of the bargain. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Pogba has behaved brilliantly or that he hasn't made bad PR decisions, but he is a young footballer who is not going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, so I think that's just been a mistake from the beginning. Uh, it's, it's a great shame because I was really looking forward to seeing Paul Bogger in this country. Right. I think he's really gifted. I, I Really, really fun player. Okay. So Tonali was your last midfielder. We've got two attacking players. Did you, this, this isn't the kind of right wing berth, is it? But a player who might be able to play either side. So <clears throat> at the moment, both of these players play from the right. Okay. Um, they're both right-sided players with left foots, um, left feet. Left Lord. foot. Left they have feet. right feet too, but they 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 are predominantly left-footed. Um, because I think so. Well, what are United attacks? So you've got um, the players that we like at United: uh, Rashford, currently injured; uh-huh. Martial, who I don't really like, but I Rashford stunning season though, right? Given what he's been, given what we now know about the conditions around that, yeah, goodness me, like his recovery. Some of his some of his performances have been excellent. There were because there, there were there were some. Not con- I wouldn't qualify them as concerns, but last season there were some doubts about his how he'd kicked on from his from uh, his sort of grand opening, mm-hmm. um, and this season in the absence of anyone else to play in that position, you know, I mean, Lukaku, with Lukaku left, he stepped up, right? Big time, big time. Big Th- time. That's a really good. That's very promising. He's for played through injury, like you know, he's uh, so. As of yesterday, it was reported by Henry Winter that he has a double stress fracture in his back, and he has had a bit of bone float around his ankle, and he's been playing with those issues. 
So he, 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 they're talking about months. He's going to be out three oh, yeah, months or something. Yeah, I don't think he'll yeah. see him. I think he'll miss Euro 2020. Okay. Um, okay. The good so, thing to note, though, is that he's been playing on the left predominantly with Martial in the middle. He's been yeah. scoring from that position. So I guess if he if there was any last season, any battle over which player was going to play in the nine role, presumably it would be because of how many goals they were like to score. If Rashford knows he can score that many goals from the left position, there's no longer any real care yeah, who plays at the nine, right? No, I don't think so. And also, I, I think that um, he's a far better wide forward than Martial. Right. Martial, if I'm honest, I find really disappointing. Okay. I think I, when, when, he, when he first turned up, you thought, goodness me, like you're looking at a new Thierry Henry with this guy. And um, just because of the way he played and the way he moved and the way he finished, so, you know, it doesn't help. Of course, the, 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 his first goal in English football was like the classic Henry, mm. far post, side foot. But... I don't see any improvement in him. I think he's good enough to stay at United and to be an asset, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'll factor Mason Greenwood into this conversation because I, I really like him. Um, I think he's very gifted. I, I think... Um, he might be the natural successor to Martial at the nine, right? He may He may very well be. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether he's a centre-forward or wide-forward yet. I just haven't seen enough of him. He looks... Um, he's got those dead eyes, though, hasn't he? Cold, dead eyes. It's just class. Like, he also, yeah. I like the way he carries himself. If you look back at... Um, We've had the privilege again of, of Y Scout. You're able to go back into a player's youth career. Um, look at the way he carries himself in games. He struts. He is a player who has ultimate belief in his ability. He believes he's better than everybody else. It's important not to have too much of that, but enough of that is is essential to being a Man United player, in my opinion. And making the transition from youth to, uh, to first team, right? You can't just tiptoe onto a pitch, and especially not if that pitch is surrounded by Old Trafford. Like you have to have you have to have the balls for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Greenwood has that along with huge amount of talent and it, he's so exciting. Um, yeah. Can't wait to see what he's going to become. Okay. Um, so that's my kind of core. I like having players like Wan Matt around because he's a good professional. Like I know he's limited now and he's, he's coming towards the end, but he'll never cause you a problem. And his, um, his uh, cross assist at Norwich was very good. He still can do that if he's given enough time and space. His, as was his finishing his, his you know, His dead ball uh, situation is, is great as well. Yeah, he, still, he remains a very gifted player. He's just not mm. as mobile as he was, no. if he was ever particularly mobile. But He's an old man. Well, yeah, but the point is, is that some guys you want out of your football club, some, some you think, well... You're you're a good pro. You're a, you're a good person. People like one matter. I imagine he's a very good influence for the absolutely. young players. Absolutely, right? absolutely. That's that's the, the, the there's your role model. Mm-hmm. Like this is the guy that you you think you know he's never gonna he's never go gonna go shouting into the press if you leave him out. Yeah, you know, he's a he's an asset. So he's fine. We'll leave him. Do you remember um, very in the early days of you Maxit? Yeah, we used to make uh, different sorts of videos. And Paul Ansorge of United Brand <laughs> used to make these videos. I can't remember what they were called though. They were called the Premier League Puppets or something. It was like and the, my favourite Louvain House House, Wayne Rooney's house, something like that. And my favourite uh, characters were were Juan Massa and Ander Herrera because Ander Herrera was like the young guy. All he wanted to do was talk about football, and Juan Matter was always trying to teach him about philosophy and art and taking him around uh, museums. And uh, you know, he's like, "Come on, Ander, let's go look at the art." In another world, yeah, Paul wins a BAFTA for that. Oh man! In another world, yeah, like I, and and mm. I, I love Paul Ansorge. He's one of my favorite people. He's a, he's a mm. genuinely nice chap. That was one of the <laughs> yes, yeah. Anyway, sorry, go on. Anyway, but we should point out that is no longer available on the internet. <laughs> I, I don't know. I sent them to Paul. Maybe he's put them up somewhere. Okay. Well, Paul has a new. Uh, it clashed on the TIFO channel. It didn't quite make it sense. Didn't, didn't quite. We could read. Yeah. Anyway. 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 So, player one. Uh, I'm going back to RZ, and I'm having a look at Calvin Stangs, who left-footed uh, is kind of. 
Imagine Calvin Stengs. Calvin Stengs. Okay. Yeah. 21 years old. Um, already capped by Holland, I think. Um, but why I like him is he's not just a mobile player. Like, he's not He's not especially quick. He's not a uh, beat lots of players in the same move kind of attacking player. He is more of a playmaking type, albeit from a sort of a, a, a wider position. So imagine someone like Callum Hudson-Odoi, but without the pace, without the sort of the searing pace. So he's uh, he's someone that can find a pass behind a defence or between a, a set of you know centre backs or um, in between the, the sort of uh, centre half and, and a fullback. He is a he's a distributor. Um, lovely technique. Uh, clearly got a really good mind for the game as well. Bit of a stumbling block. His agent's Mina Riola. That's quite a big stumbling block. So I had to think about this because you and I <laughs> talked about it within relation to Jesse, Jesse Lingard late last week. Yeah, can you just, can you uh, tell, because I didn't know about that. So Jesse Lingard um, has, uh, well, Jesse Lingard is now a client of Mina Riola's. Um, within about a week of Mina Riola um, publicly shaming Man United for their treatment of his clients. Yeah. Uh, Riola's grief is uh, issue is that um, in the light of Erling Holland moving to Borussia Dortmund, uh, Manchester United seemed to let it be known that the reason they didn't sign him was because Mina Riola had asked for too large a fee. Riola contests that, and I mean, up to you whether you believe that. He contests it, and it's hard to know who's believing that sort of situation. Yeah, I'm many not sure I would believe the, either wholeheartedly. Well, yeah, I mean, they've got form for saying, "Oh, we didn't want him anyway." Yeah, it's a bit yeah. like never fancied her anyway. That yeah. Um, so Riola, Riola fired back by saying, um, like, Man United could ruin Maradona and Pele. <laughs> um, not, not known to understatement, Mina Riola. <laughs> so whether, whether Jesse Lingard stays at the club, I don't know. However, I had a bit of a think about this over the weekend. Um, and I thought to myself, well, um, I thought to myself, God, how pretentious. Anyway, it's kind of, for Mina Riola, to not deal with Man United is kind of like cutting off his nose to spite his face. Yeah. Because if you've, let's, let's, let's use the Calvin Stengs example. If, and there's nothing to connect with Man United, this is just theory, it's not rumour. Um, if Man United want your client and you say, no, I'd rather deal with Everton. You know, you're not, sure, you can't, but if Man United want your client and you say, I'd rather deal with Juventus. Different. Well, is that not the case for most of these situations? I mean, the, considering the calibre of most of Mino Raiola's clients, right? Yeah, uh, Jesse Lingard aside, uh, uh, Holland is the perfect example. If he doesn't go to United, he's going to Dortmund. It's, it, it's not like he's dealing with Everton. He's dealing with other top European sides who don't ruin clients for him <laughs> and who probably know the game. Don't try to be bullshit about it in public. Don't try and take on agents that they know that they can't take on. They see where the power dynamic is in this relationship. They try to keep people sweet. They try to play the game, right? Does that sound like uh, like what, what Mikhail Zork does at Dortmund? It does, doesn't it? Does that sound like what Man United do? It doesn't, no. So, I completely agree. Completely I, I, agree. I, I, I sort of don't have any sympathy for them in this case. I, I don't have any sympathy for them. What, what I'm saying is that I don't think it's a long-term position for me, Mina Riola to take. You can't no. just say, right, well, I'm not going to... I'm not going to broke a deal to my clients, Man United, because that's not in his interest. Like you, you, you can say right. Depends well, you, his clients are again. Like think about the high, high caliber nature of his clients. How many of those people want to play for Manchester? United? Well, it's kind of like I looked at his client list um, yesterday. Um, last it's not night. that big. It's not that big, and it's also a bit of a spread between you. You have your top echelons, your, your, your Pogba, your Mkhitaryan's, mm. players like that, 
and then you go you're up and comers yeah and also yeah. you're not never worse but it's a bit meager yeah. um so it's a spread of clients but what, what i'm saying is that sort of you cannot initially i thought well i can't have stains on this list because riola but then i think well hmm, i don't know things can change and i think there's sort of like things are sick in football they always have been people clubs fall out with agents clubs are in with agents it's just the nature of the sport mm. so i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to rule it out for that reason okay. he's a good player he's a gifted footballer he's interesting because he is a contrast to the kind of martial rashford technique also let's not forget in that right position you've got someone like daniel james who I don't think he's ever going to be an excellent player. He's a good one, maybe a very good one. Yeah. He's, he's interesting. He he does certain things really well, but I've got my pace. Yeah, I don't need more of it. I've got a uh, Stengs is not an immobile player. I'm not. I'm not saying he's like he's sort of Jan Molby. Sure. I just like <laughs> he's he that is not his main attribute. His main attribute yeah. is his his creativity and his mind, his technique. So I've got a nice contrast. I've got a nice 21 year old player to sit in that position as well, who can be another option against a different type of defence. I like it. Because Chong doesn't look good enough, really, does he? Who, who sorry? Chong. Uh, well, I think he's leaving. Okay. Yeah. I think he's out of contract in the summer and he'll be leaving. Right. Um, that's my understanding. Uh, I think. I mean, I... I don't know I, I don't enough know if about United's youth teams either to know if there's anyone else. This is the uh, other thing. Well, you probably got um, Angel Gomez. Um, he's who, played a few games this season hasn't he I don't think he's I remember we, we had a conversation about this in the summer and I remember thinking I, I I'm his, his, he's about five foot five yeah if, like I I don't want to be that guy but until I, I that's always going to be a red flag yeah um, for, for a physical like it's, it doesn't prohibit him from being a great success somewhere like Spain or, or potentially Italy maybe you know, Portugal but like in a Premier League how many five foot five guys really break through Where's Houlihan? You're going to, I know where this is going. We're going to be a Robbie Brady. No, Robbie Brady is not a five foot no, five. No, but like, that's, your, that's your link. That's your segue. No, I'm just saying. It's I'm like, saying. you know, where's Houlihan? And he used to play for Norwich. And of course, another great Norwich player of the past is every fucking podcast. <laughs> Listen, every... you brought Robbie Brady up. <laughs> no. All I'm saying is where's Houlihan is a very good example. Where's of... Houlihan's a good player. Like, you know, very that, good player. That, that, <laughs> that I accept. Do you know who else is a good player? Tell me, Joe. No, who, who's your next pick? Okay, so I've gone to Dinamo. Sorry, Kiev. that guy was called uh, Calvin Stengs. Calvin Stengs. I yeah. haven't heard of him. I'm going to look him up now. Again, I, honestly, like I said before, if you get the chance to watch Azad, um, Azad Altmar on TV, do it. Mm-hmm. They're great fun. I'll watch them. They're great, really good fun. They're, okay. they're just there's. You could add a couple of other players into this list as well, mm-hmm. um, but they they are worth a watch. Um, so my second option, um, 22 from uh, Dinamo Kiev, is Viktor Shankov. Okay, um, Viktor Shankov quite similar to Stengs. So I wanted a particular profile of player. I don't want pace. I don't want a winger. Yeah. I want someone that's happy coming inside. And inside forward. And I want a left foot. Yeah. Um, because Wan Matter is coming to the end and I like left foot creativity. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Shankov, uh, I think the way to, to um, your best bet to try and see him is in the Europa League. Um, the um, best way to describe him is actually, if people remember what a young, and I mean young, like, you know, five, six years ago, young Andre Yarmolenko looked like. Mm. So very left-footed, but um, happy taking players on, you know, cutting in field, uh, really good from set pieces, which is nice. Um, but like Stang's creative. Um, so I, I, and he plays in that same sort of, with that same sort of upright position that Yarmolenko did, um, which I, I really, really liked. I wish, I wish Yarmolenko moved to kind of, to um, 
Western Europe much earlier in his career because it, right. I don't want to see him play West Ham like as he is. You know, I, I, I wanted a 25 year old Yarmolenko playing for Chelsea or Manchester United or, mm-hmm. or, or Bayern Munich. He just what a player. Um, so uh, 22, look, he, he there's a context problem. I mean, I don't watch a lot of Ukrainian football. I'm not going to pretend to. And I spend my Saturdays, you know, watching illegal streams of Dynamic Kiev games. Mm-hmm. You watch him in, in snatches in the Europa League. And you also see, you know, the wise scout um, uh, Precy of mm-hmm. what he is and, and sort of the odd phases that he takes part in. Um, but as a profile player, he's kind of what United need in the sense that he's, he's what they don't have in that player. Coming off the right side, who can wander in field without doing what Pereira does which is just get lost. Yeah. You get sort of, he's we'll not phased. Far, right? Yeah, right. Like he's not, he's not phased by pressure. Who isn't worried by, you know, when, when he, when he squares up a, a defender on the edge of the box and there's a couple of other defenders supporting him, a center back and a fullback perhaps, he isn't phased by it seemingly. Um, I don't know if that, that will hold it through for the rest of his career, um, but he's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like everybody else on this list, this is not a, a player to say, right, well, he's our solution. You know, he is a 20, 25, 30 million pound player that think I'm going to take a risk on someone that could be something. So it's kind of like Memphis Depay. Like Memphis Depay could have been an excellent Man United player. There's a really famous um, anecdote about him where he was dropped to the reserves and Wayne Rooney said to him, right, you you know, I think Wayne Rooney was club captain at the time. And he was, he said, uh, you know, you get your head down, just work hard. And, and, you know, just, just, he had a little bit of a reputation for having an ego. So Wayne Rooney was not sure Wayne Rooney is quite the right guy to, to deal with that problem, but gave him a sound advice. And why wouldn't you? He'd had a hundred cuts for England, you know, so fair enough. Um, and um, apparently uh, Memphis Depay turned up to, to a reserve game in, in his, in his Ferrari and in wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> and you just think, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> like, so you're looking for certain things and one of them is maturity. And one of them is, um, a lack of a reputation. So I kind of like these underneath guys. Mm. And, and, and Shankov, Shankov does have a bit of reputation as a, as a good player. He's, he's, he's an up and coming. He's someone that I imagine within a, in a six months or so, we'll, we'll, we'll be having all kinds of YouTube videos and you right. know, skills and assists. Welcome to Real Madrid, all, all that stuff. Um, for now, like he's not someone that would come into a club and people would be overly excited by, but he's interesting. How do they, do, how do they break this then? I mean, United. I, I I feel a bit tired of saying over and over again, director of football, director of football. And I'm not, you know, I, I, I have this conversation. You have to have one. Like it, I, it's, I agree. So this is the situation at United. You are, you have a, my theory on the director of football situation is that United quite like not having a director of football because it, it prevents another layer of scrutiny on their decision makers. So yeah. you bring in, um, who your director of football is, is kind of incidental as long as they have the right qualifications. What, what actually matters is that you have someone that can oversee departments. So recruitment's one, but things like analytics and conditioning and, um, you know, who is, who is tracking the decline of older players? Who is it that's recommending that player X gets a new contract? Yeah, I mean, is that a social? I have no idea. And this yeah. is part of the problem. Like, it's, there's a crack between Ed Woodward and Oli Solskjaer and there's just a void in, in the middle. I have yeah. absolutely no idea what happens in that void. And, and for a club like Man United, that's ridiculous. I know who makes the decisions at Manchester City. I know who makes the decisions at Liverpool. Ditto Chelsea, although I'd argue their, their system is 
imperfect but there is the there is the beginning of one you have a sort of you have abramovich you have granovskaya you have lampard and you have Petacek being groomed for this little role in between where he's he's not quite a director of football but he's sort of being allowed to learn the role on the job i think we did a video on that mm-hmm. so you can look that up if if, yeah. if um if you want to learn more about that but at united it's just it's a guy okay so what is the difference between ed woodward making a footballing decision and me or you I well, think we would do a better job. Well, maybe, maybe, but my argument is what qualifications do we have for that? Like, yeah, it's like, no, I agree. it's, oh, I know football. Well, do you? I mean, what, 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 what is there to say that you do? Because yeah. you are a commercial person and by all accounts, Edward was a really astute commercial. Can I say what was really interesting about Daniel Taylor's article that we didn't talk about uh, on our last podcast was he referenced um, something I'd never heard of about Edward Wood before, which is that he's very likable mm-hmm. and that people seldom leave a meeting with him or leave their first meeting with him thinking that guy's a douchebag. They think that guy's pretty cool. And they, there are lots of reports of people being very impressed by how Edward Wood puts in the hours and does the research, right? So it's, is it possible that because of those things, he's managed to maintain this longer than he would have done if he were the sort of ego-driven, I-can-do-that fucking finance geezer guy that the press sometimes makes him out to be. Because people go, people think, well, I mean, actually, he's trying, he's researching, he's not, he's not this person that I thought he might have been. Is it possible that he's been able to be slightly more pervasive because of, uh, because of his character? Maybe. I think the real reason why he's been allowed to be more pervasive is because... He's in he's, charge. Well, he's in charge, but he also suits the aims of the, the, the family who own the club. Yeah. So he, and this is, this is the kind of, not unspoken, but in, the, in this conversation, at least, the, the big, the, the elephant in the room, right? Yeah, because I, I believe that if winning Premier League titles and Champions League titles was par- of paramount importance to the Glazer family, they would have the footballing department to achieve those aims whether they did or didn't is you know up to the game itself and managers and players and you know what do you make of in fact when i i went to old trafford a couple of weeks ago you saw the norwich game didn't you uh, yeah i was with the norwich fans but we did hear um uh, people in the stretford end singing an anti-glazer song yeah uh, and then there were reports that for the following game i hadn't heard that <laughs> I mean, that's... I think I just saw that on Twitter. What I will say <laughs> is that if that is true, and I, I don't know if it is, um, but if that is true, then that's not as unusual as people might think. No. Like Premier League clubs, um, my experience of... I've had a couple of instances where I've, I've written faintly negative things about football clubs. Um, so I read about one club's stadium once. Um, a lot of very fair observations, which, um, I mean, are still being made today. Um and I, I got a kind of a, a sort of, you know, don't request any accreditation from us anytime soon really? sort of message. Um, so this stuff happens, like clubs are quite sensitive um, and they're very PR savvy. So something like, something like that doesn't, doesn't really What's, what's funny though, is that in this case, you know, just to pick, I know, I know you don't mean this, but the language you just used was mm-hmm. clubs are very sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. But in, in this case, mm-hmm. who is the club? Because what we're talking about is a group really of agree. dedicated season ticket holders who are singing a song about something they care about. Who've been there much longer than the people that own the club anyway. Right. Yeah. Yet the club mm-hmm. are the American uh, multi-billionaire family mm-hmm. and Ed Woodward, who is, what, a uh, financial uh, businessman from London. Yeah. I mean, how does that happen? 
That's I, insane, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. I agree but completely. they're the club. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I wonder whether... Um, I mean, I wonder whether a lot of what Manchester United have done over the last couple of years is purely for the benefit of the headlines. So if you remember, I can't remember exactly when it was, maybe three or four years ago, you used to have, whenever Manchester United would be on a down cycle, um, form-wise, all of a sudden there'd be a, a story about, you know, uh, Neymar or Gareth Bale or Cristiano Ronaldo coming back. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't the appetite to do that at Man United, but it just happens time and time again. It's like this this superficial layer of bullshit mm. that keeping you hooked a little bit. Everything seems to be about um, maintaining the image of the club. Whereas, it's in like fact, a microtransaction mobile game. A little bit, a little bit, like because the thing that would really nourish the image of the club is the club performing well. <laughs> now, there are, like football is an imperfect game, so you can't guarantee success. But at the same time, you can be admired for what you're trying to do. If Manchester United tomorrow announced, right, what we're doing is we are we are building a fully equipped um, footballing department. We're also renovating things like, apparently their medical department is utter shit as well. It hasn't been sort of, I don't know, that's, that's what I've heard. I heard it on a podcast right. on, on the train up. But like, well, the best player's broken his back. So. Well, so it's not a great sign, is it? Yeah. So like, we're going to change the way that we recruit. We're going to change the way. Here's the guy that's in charge of it. You, that's Joe Devine. Meet him. Here's a big profile of him on your on your on, on, on our website. This is here his, well. Here are his skills. Here is his past record. Here is what he believes in. Uh, you make the process transparent, and you 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 kind of you allow fans to understand what you're trying to achieve. They will generally buy into it as long as it's not nonsense. And from an evil perspective, you could get away with way more stuff. Absolutely. It's the, the ultimate diversion, isn't it? You know, can I, can you I start make doing that, well. you can start taking far more money out of the right. club if you yeah. really want to. Uh, can I make the point as well that the, at the time they were singing that song, the yeah. Manchester United fans, they were 4-0 up. Against Norwich. This, this yeah. wasn't uh, a gripe against a bad game or bad performance. Maybe you could make the argument that uh, in terms of a wider perspective, it still could be seen as that. But they, they weren't singing this at 0-0, uh, 1-0, 2-0, 3-0. They were singing this at 4-0. This is not something that they are doing purely because the team aren't performing well. This is because they actually believe it and yeah. because, frankly, it's true, right? Yeah, in my eyes, I mean, um, not the horrible grotty song. The uh, the I can't remember the lyrics of it, but there was a there was a, a, a there was there was some inoffensive one. Yeah, yeah, I, I and there the was one. an offensive one. I know the one you mean. Um, what I'll say is that I, I'm I'm in my mid thirties, so the time when I was growing up, Man United were the dominant force, and so Man United to young at school in the playground, my friends, me was the team that just used to shit over your team every every weekend. Like, and yeah. it would be effortless. You'd just be swatted aside again and again and again. So I always thought when this point came, when Man United fell into decline, I would wake up laughing. Mm. And the decline has been so pathetic <laughs> that it's not even funny for someone like me <laughs> who, 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 who lives for, for schadenfreude. Because it's so, it's so ridiculous that I actually have sympathy. Because it's... If you look around, there are, there are no excuses for Man United getting this wrong because if you look around at what works other football clubs in, in this country and in Europe, there is almost a template for success. There is no excuse for getting it wrong, especially when you have that much money behind you. Mm. Like you just need to be sensible. You need to plan what you're doing. You need to have people in positions who are qualified to actually be there. And you need to, I know this isn't about Solskjaer, but you need to have a manager who 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 isn't just there because he used to play for you. Yeah. Does anyone believe that? Like, if 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 um if he had applied for the job um when Mourinho left and his 
on the basis of a CV, which is relegated Cardiff and a couple of t titles with mould. And if Man United wasn't on there, as a, if you didn't have this kind of emotional connection to the clubs, anyone believe that that, that CV would have just gone anywhere sure. but the bin? Sure. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It I mean, is you not could say that... The uh, his time spent managing the Manchester United youth team meant that he knew quite a lot of the players. But you're absolutely right. But in the same way that I, I understand that, but in the same way, when um, when Brendan Rodgers left Liverpool, they didn't just give a job to Steven Gerrard. He went, you know, to 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 learn to manage properly. Off he's gone to to, to Rangers first, and he's sure. he's been successful. There are. Can no I also say though that when Brendan Rodgers left Liverpool? Steven Gerrard was still playing football. Was he really? Yes. I think, didn't he retire that summer? Did he? Well, I want to say well, he anyway, retired though, at the end of... Also, you might be, actually, you might be right. Can I also say that Jurgen Klopp was available? <laughs> and yeah. that when that's the truth in the world, that decision is much easier, that, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I don't know how much sympathy I have for that. Because when you can... When you have the resource of a club at Man United, availability is kind of a... A vague concept, I think. Is it? I think so. What, so you could just go and get Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. No, now. with limitations. You you you, be, you could make smart decisions. You could have a run at a Simeone. You could have a look at you a Max could. Allegri. But are we, are we really that, saying that, that, that there there is a better coach? Is put it this way, right? Yeah. Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp are, I would argue, are the two best football coaches in the world. I'd agree. There isn't anyone else currently on their level. They, yeah, but both, at the same time, they like, both play for Manchester United's direct rivals. Okay, but at the same time, you, you got a situation where Mauricio Pochettino is kicking his heels in Argentina. True. Or actually, he's in England at the moment. He's yeah. actually literally in England at the moment promoting the new La Liga TV channel. Right. And, and, and like I, it would break my heart a little bit to see Pochettino manage Manchester United. But goodness me. It would me, break his heart eventually as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it definitely would. <laughs> He's not suited to it. But like, okay, I, I don't, I don't believe Pochettino is on the same level as Klopp or or, or Guardiola. But come on, yeah. like, guys, took to a club like Tottenham to the Champions League final. Like, you, you can't. I know how it ended at Spurs, but yeah. if you look at his body of work, it's uh, and yeah. come on, lads, it's Tottenham. Exactly, and he, he, someone, someone that can purge the kind of toxicity which is currently around Manchester United. Mm -hmm. You know why? Why are you not already? I mean. Yeah. That phone call should have been made the minute he walked out of Tottenham, yeah. in my opinion. Do you know what they should do? They should go and get Edwin van der Sar from Ajax. They should bring him in to be the director of football because he's worked at he's been in the club so, before. And then they should get Pochettino and make him the coach. And van then Sar, they should spend a billion pounds. Well, good night. I mean, I, I like thinking van der Sar, I'm a bit more of a finance guy at Ajax. Whatever, I don't care. He's not really Details. like so the, the Details. <laughs> we'll work it out later. You want Overmars. If you want to do Ajax, you've got to get Overmars. That's the one I want. Okay. I want Overmars. Okay, you can have Overmars. But I want Van der Sar as well, just because, come on, as far as Great footballing people go, yeah, Van der Sar is one of the, is one of the top dogs out sure there. Is. Sure Love is. that guy. Real great I, I guy. I think he's kind of like, um, I don't know precisely what he does, but my understanding is he's slightly more towards, uh, like not business development, but the economic side of... Right whatever it is that Ajax do. Yeah. But um, Overmars is the, is the more of the traditional... Get them both. In fact, just also well. get the kit because they've you got know. a lovely kit. Yeah. We'll have the kit. Uh, get the... Bring back some Ajax, of the players. Ajax, Ajax, the, the Amsterdam Arena. I mean, it's a lot... You know, the, you know, just the best, move to Amsterdam. The best sound in the whole of football is a is the ball striking the back of the net in the, in the Amsterdam Arena. Really? The what clunk, does it sound like? The clunk. Try and do so, an impression. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, God, just it's, try. It's like, it's, it's like metallic. Right. So go on, any, find any IS goal scored in the Amsterdam Arena. Yeah. That's a noise. Nice. 
Really I like good. it. So I think it's something to do with the way their microphones are positioned behind the goals. We've talked for quite a lot longer than we normally would. There's so much to say. Uh, we did miss a couple of things out. I mean, I wanted to say uh, I thought I think Brandon Williams is is, is good and exciting, um, and that's it. Uh, my other issue is that Wambasaka can't really cross the ball very well, and if you wanted to have an inverting uh, inside forward on the right in the right uh, wide position then someone's going to need to teach him how to cross the ball better. I think it'll come. Yeah. I think he's, he's like, young. What, what he can do is more important than what he can't at the moment. Which is very impressive, isn't yeah, it? He's yeah, he's So change the whole midfield uh, and then that's 5% of the way. didn't you? You were, you were interested in a forward potentially. I was. Uh, maybe this is a quick... Oh God, are people still listening? One hour, 20 minutes in? Do it quickly. Do it Marcus Rashford... I mean, look, by the time this goes out, this is going to be 21st of January, there's a week left. They were already talking about an on-loan midfielder uh, because presumably they don't want to commit themselves in, in January, which I understand. Um, obviously, the Bruno Fernandes thing is, is, is happening or not happening in the background. We don't know. Um, Marcus Rashford uh, is now probably, as you say, possibly out for the rest of the season, possibly even going to miss the Euros. Presumably, any chance of finishing in the top four, they need more goals from somewhere. Do they buy a striker? Do they do they loan a striker? I mean, they need a striker, don't they? Or do we just let Mason Greenwood play for the rest of the season in our role uh, as, uh, I would, as in charge here? I would phone, for a short-term solution, I'd ask Real Madrid what's happening with Luka Jovic. Right. Because Karen Benzema is back fit. Jovic has really struggled in Spain. Um, I don't know if he's available or not, but it's worth a conversation. Just maybe yeah. he's alone with a something. I don't know, but just... Um, yeah, yeah. I why mean, not? I mean, or or you you do something really short term and and sort of uh, Edison Cavani it until the end of the season, right? Uh, Bring Ibrahimovic back on loan. No, God no. <laughs> I cannot stand Zlatan Ibrahimovic. No. All right. Well, look. That's so. That's something that I'm sure the other podcasts will work out. Uh, we've we've gone over here, haven't we? Um, but uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. I think Alex is back. He's gone on a little holiday. Um, I think he'll be back though and uh, we'll do a sensible transfers thing we might try and squeeze some of the other big clubs in here as well the Man United video is I believe the last one to be released we are going to have a quick look uh, or we, we were sorry going to have a quick look at who should replace um, um, uh, Valverde as Barcelona manager but then the news overtook us so we, you might see something on on, uh, on Kike Setien. I think we've done something on him already, but keep an eye out for that. Simon Harrison's uh, video from a couple of years ago on his time at Betis, right? Which is really good watch. Really good, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, there's some there's a very exciting video that we're going to be releasing in the next few weeks uh, by written by Nick Harris of Sporting Intelligence. Uh, really interesting video. It's all about whether the Premier League should embrace the OTT streaming uh, concept and do away with their own, uh, with uh, selling their rights to broadcasters, give the football directly to the fans. That's really interesting. So look out for that one too. Um, thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. 
With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.